if you have a, if you have a Bible, uh, we're going to Romans chapter 12 today. If not, they're going to put it up on the screens for you. Love for you to follow along. Last week, we talked about this idea of changing the pattern. Today, I want to really uh, go a little bit deeper into how we can change the patterns uh, that we've been following in our life, how we can really experience transformation. You know, any real transformation is going to begin with a renewed mind. And I want to show you something today that I believe is just going to, maybe for some of you, it's going to be... uh, Revelation, Maybe for some of you, it's going to be something that you know in your heart, but you've not been really following and leaning into. Um, but I, I really believe that what I'm going to share with you today, like every Sunday, is not man's wisdom, but it's God's word. And God's word really has the power to change our lives. And uh, I think every person in this room could, could use some change in your life, uh, not only because it's a new year, I just believe that his mercies are brand new every morning. So I'm, you know, even if I've already, how many, how many of you, maybe in the first couple weeks, you've already blown it (laughs) in like some area where you were trying to get victory. You know, you don't have to wait till 2021. Come on for, to have a new start. The Bible teaches us that he makes his mercy brand new every single morning. So today is my day. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him today is my day. Now look at the one, you know, you didn't choose and tell them today is my day. Today's my day. His mercy is new today. Romans 12, one and two says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That's that's the whole focus of today's message. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this opportunity for us to come together into this place. Thank you, God, for bringing us here. You are faithful. Some of us think we brought ourselves here. Maybe we did get in the car and drive, but the breath you put in our body to do that came from you. The The arms that we use to steer the steering wheel came from you. The heart that is pumping the blood through our veins right now, it comes from you. So every gift we have, every good thing we have comes from you. So thank you for bringing us here today. We pray over these next few moments you would speak a clear word to us that would challenge us and change us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen. Amen. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Then it goes on to tell us, so do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Last week, we preached about changing the pattern. The pattern is so important. Why? Because we were all created to conform. See, in this room today, you're either conforming into the image of Jesus, the pattern of Christ, or you are conforming to the pattern of this world. You're not, you're not, the, the, you're not the only person in the world who doesn't conform. You're not, you, don't, you don't get to miss out on this. We all have to participate in this. This is who we were created to be. We were all created to conform. As a matter of fact, the reason we conform is because we were made to worship. 
we were created to worship. Matter of fact, our bodies, the Bible tells us here that we should offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. This is our worship, that our bodies are truly instruments of worship. You know, your hands were given to you, not just so that you could point things out or to write, but they were also given to you to clap. The Bible says, clap your hands, all ye people. Your voice wasn't just given to you so that you could talk and communicate with people, but your voice was given to you so that you could raise your voice and worship God, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. The Bible teaches us that our legs weren't just given to us to walk back and forth, but they were given to us to dance, the Bible says, before the Lord. We were created as instruments of worship. We are designed to worship. And what happens to us is if we are not careful about what we are setting in front of us, because we were designed to worship, because we were designed to conform, we will conform to what Romans says here. Paul says the pattern of this world. What he means is that the world has a system. The world has a way of doing things. And the world's way of doing things is contrary to the way God does things. The Bible teaches us that you are in the world, but you are not of the world. In other words, in other words you're going to be here, but I don't want you to, to act like you are from here. I want you to have a different mindset. I want you to have a different way of thinking. I want you to have a different way of acting and interacting with people. That is not the world's pattern, but God's pattern. And what happens to us over our lifetime is we are introduced to patterns. We are introduced to ways of thinking. It is, it is ingrained in us, and we are being taught uh, how to think. We are being taught how to behave. We are being taught how to act, how to think. And all of these influences come from so many different arenas, from where we go to school, to the environment that we're raised in, from our parents, to our, our in-laws, to the things that we watch on television, to the things that we allow to influence our lives, to the music we listen to, to the books we read. All of these things are informing us, and they're creating a pattern. They're creating a pattern that we live by. And, and very often that pattern doesn't just become something that we live by. Like a pattern is that you have to go to work to get money so that you can buy food, so that you can buy a house or you can have a place to live. Do you understand? There's a, there's a pattern. And what happens if we're not careful, that pattern will become our God. And it will replace God. And this is what Paul is concerned with, is that you are conforming to the pattern. It's not that you are just in the world, but you are becoming like the world. Starting to act like the world, think like the world, talk like the world. Something besides God, something besides the Lord has taken the title of your heart's trust and your preoccupation and your loyalty and your service, your fears even, and your delight. Romans 1 and 23 says it like this. It says, they exchanged they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image. They exchanged the life that God wanted to give them for a life that they thought they wanted. And, and, and where most frustration happens for us as human beings in this life is our real life versus our ideal life. And the gap is where we're frustrated. We have this ideal. We have this image that's been given to us. We've, we've been indoctrinated in it. We've gone to school and we've, we've been told by our family and we've been told by the media, this is what life looks like. This is what ideal looks like. And then we look at our real life and we don't have the ideal life. And there in the middle is frustration. And because we're frustrated, we try harder to get the ideal life. And then sometimes when we get the ideal life, we realize that that's not what we really wanted at all. And that falls short. And it takes, it takes 
somebody like Jim Carrey for us to look, wait, wait, did Jim Carrey say that? That wasn't a pastor that said that? That wasn't, Jim Carrey said, I hope that everybody gets what they want, every desire of their heart, only to find out that it wasn't really what they wanted at all. Ace Ventura Pet Detective said that. <laughs> the Bible teaches us, though, in Isaiah 40 and 18, it says, what kind of idol can even compare to a God like this? I just want to tell you today that the thing you've been replacing God with doesn't compare to God. The structures and the systems that you've been building in your life that are not kingdom structures, that are not gospel-centered, they're not Christ-centered structures, they are not comparable to God. 1 John 5 and 21 says, Beloved children, keep yourselves from idols. And I find it interesting that this is in the New Testament because I thought idols were an Old Testament problem. And sometimes I think in American culture, we think of idols, we think of big statues that people just go to and they show up and they worship, or like a big Buddha, you know, that you just have in your house, and that's an, that's an idol. And so we start to think that idols are, are, are sins or even things that we put before God, they only really matter if they're big things and not little things that really have everything to do with our heart because before I ever bow to a golden statue, something shifted in my heart, something changed. And so I need to recognize what is taking the throne of my life. Listen, God does not occupy a couch. He didn't sit on a couch with Muhammad. He didn't sit on a couch with your job. He didn't sit on a couch with your spouse. He didn't sit on a couch with money. He occupies a throne. He is God and beside him there is no other. Billy Graham said, if he is not Lord of all, then he is not Lord at all. So what is, what is an idol? An idol is anything that I put before the Lord. That's why the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, the, the original one is, hey, don't have any other gods before me. It's not just that we elevate something to God's level. It's sometimes we take something that isn't God and we present it to God as acceptable. He says before me, in other words, in my presence, don't bring any other gods in my presence. Because truly, in reality, you cannot put a God above him. He, it just can't happen. Now you might do it in your heart and in your mind, but you can't put anyone or anything above him. He is supreme. He is all-powerful. He is omnipresent. He is omniscient. He is God. But in our hearts, we can. In our hearts, when I was, when I was in Bible school, I went to a Christian counseling class. And in the Christian counseling class, they gave us like these core idols, they said. When you're dealing with people or you're counseling with people, you'll recognize that there, there are about four core idols. And I wanna give these to you uh, because these, these are not golden statues that we worship or high places that we need to go up and tear down. These, these are issues of the heart, and these are four that they gave us. And there are more, but these are the, the main four. It said power, control, approval, and comfort. And then they would ask us, you know, which one speaks loudest to you? Which one is your idol of choice? 
See, you might not serve a false god in the sense that you, you don't believe in Jesus and you worship other idols. It might not be your, your issue. Your issue just might be one of control. Your issue might just be one of power. Your issue might just be one of approval or comfort. But what has replaced God in your life? What has replaced him as preeminent in your life? And see, the thing about those four things is none of them are bad all by themselves. It's not that power is bad. It's not that control is bad. It's not that approval is bad. It's not that even comfort is bad. But the problem becomes when these things are idols, what they start to do is they start to demand our obedience and rule our emotions. Remember, you were created to worship. I don't care if you like it or not, everybody in this room is worshiping something. And whatever you worship, if it's not God, watch what it does. It starts to command your obedience and it starts to rule your emotions. So it displaces God as our master and that's when it becomes evil. That's when it becomes wrong. See, it's, it's, it's not wrong to enjoy life. It's wrong to take the things that you were supposed to enjoy and make them idols. Calvin said this, he said, evil is not typically desiring something bad, but desiring something good too much. <laughs> See, because when I talk about idols, we're all thinking about the bad stuff. And this, that's not most of our problem. Even the bad stuff is something good that we've elevated. Even our bad sexual desires are something, is something good that we've elevated. Sex is not bad. But when you do it outside of God's pattern, you have elevated it to a place that it doesn't belong. Man, it is super quiet in here. <laughs> so evil is not <laughs> typically desiring something bad. It's desiring something good too much. It's, it's not loving a bad thing. It's elevating a good thing to a God thing. And watch what we do with the idols. Very often... We can, through willpower or some sort of resolve, we can stop sometimes different behaviors in our life. But what happens is if you just replace an idol or a behavior with another idol or behavior, then you just exchange one idol for another. The Bible doesn't teach us that God came to give us some sort of moral resolve. Jesus came to give us some sort of behavior, you know, treatment. He come to modify our behavior, to make us better people. He came to change who and what we worship. He came to change our way of thinking. That's why to receive the gospel, you must repent. Repentance is not, I feel bad. Repentance is, I change the way I think. I'm going somewhere, just trust me, like this is headed somewhere. So Paul gives us like a simple test to just see what our idols are. He says this, he says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. 
What did I say? Idols become masters who demand your obedience and control your emotions. So Paul says, let not sin therefore reign, reign like, like a king, like a, like a lord, like an idol in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. The word their passions, it's a real intense word. It means to desire, a desire that completely overwhelms you. To really discover what idol you worship, all you have to do is look at the thing that completely overwhelms you. The desire that completely overwhelms you. Let me just ask you this, this question. What makes you angry? And I'm not just talking about upset or somebody hurt your feelings. I'm talking about mad to the point you want to hurt people. You want to get back at people. You want to act out vengeance. You are angry. What makes you afraid? <laughs> And I'm not just talking about everyday fear, anxiety, you know, just like everyday, just kind of the emotional, like, I'm not just talking about what makes you afraid to go into the basement when it's dark. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the thing that makes you afraid to the point that you're paralyzed, that it controls you, that it demands your obedience and it rules your emotions. What drives you to sadness? I'm not talking about just disappointment or, or being a feelings of, of sadness because you know, you, you lost a loved one or something like that. Those are normal, everyday feelings. I'm talking the sadness to the point that you, want, you don't want to leave your house. You don't want to interact with people. You want to stay low. You want to stay in this place. That is the king of your heart. In the end, human beings don't have needs. They have masters. You have someone that, or something that you have given yourself to and it is controlling your behavior. Because whatever you worship, it starts to demand something from you. It starts to control you. And you're like, no, 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 that's not me. Oh man, you're not exempt from this. You're not special. You're not unique. Every one of us is worshiping something or someone. And, and even though the best of us want to believe that we worship God all the time, let me tell you something. You and I, we don't worship God all the time. And anybody who tells you they worship God all the time is lying to you. Your perception of their morality has become their God. You believing that they're good and there is no bad in them has become their God. And now they have become their salvation. There's no greater pride than thinking you're not bad. The Bible says that before destruction hits a person's life, pride comes into their life. The Bible teaches us that <laughs> be careful if you think you're standing, lest you fall. It tells us that if you judge someone in your sin, that you are in the wrong because if it had not been for the grace of God, you would be in the same exact condition as they are. <laughs> so, so I have a king. Here's the problem. I can't change my king just because I want to really bad. I, I can't do right just because I want to so bad. And there are people in this room and you want to do what's right, but you're like the Apostle Paul in Romans 7. You're like, the good I want to do, I, and the bad thing I don't want to do, that seems to be 
how, how do I stop this pattern of the world? I have to change who's Lord in my life. So you don't, need, you don't just need a savior, you need a Lord. You need him to be Lord of your life. Listen, Romans, Romans 6 is so powerful. Let me just give you one verse out of Romans. Romans 6, 16 says this. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or obedience to God, which leads to righteousness? Watch this. You obey what you worship. Whoever and whatever I give myself to, that's who I'm conforming into. My behavior is actually a strategy. <laughs> because my behavior is protecting the thing that I worship. If I worship insecurity, then I will be a jealous person. If I'm insecure, I'll be jealous, and my jealousy will be reflected in my behavior. I, I won't trust my spouse. I won't trust my friends. I'll constantly question the people around me. I'll always be observing everybody's motives. Why? It's not because they're wrong. It's because something's wrong on the inside of me. I'm insecure. You're not bad. It's just that I'm, I'm insecure. You haven't, you haven't made me this way. It's a pattern I conformed to. I watched it, so I became it. <laughs> and so, man, we teach in Christianity, just, just do better. Just be better. Just pray harder. You're not trying. You get out of it what you put into it. Why do we do that? Because we have been conditioned as a culture, to have a mindset that is always thinking, earn. From the time we're little kids, my, my son comes home, and every day on his little folder, we open it up, and on the inside, it's got a little smiley face or a frown face, and that is the indicator of how he behaved that day. So if he behaves well, he gets a smiley face. If he acts like a fool, he gets a frowny face, right? And we are conditioned our whole lives. We bring a report card home. It's bad. What happens? We get grounded. It's good. What happens? We get money. And then we take it around, and to get more money, we take it to our grandma's house, and we show our grandpa. And if our great-grandparents are around, we take it to them. If we got aunts and uncles that got money, we take it to them because we are rewarded according to, in this world, the pattern of this world, according to our behavior. How you perform is what you receive. You do good, you get good. You do bad, you get, get, you get bad. And I get all of that. It's the pattern of this world. But God's trying to tell you and I something different. That's not the pattern of the kingdom. You live in this world, I don't you want you to be conditioned by this world to the point that you start to think for one second that you can earn what I want to give you freely. Let me, let me give you something. 
Romans 6 and 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You cannot change who your king is. You cannot change your behavior by trying really hard. You cannot change the pattern with more moral resolve. You do it by accepting the free gift of salvation that comes from God. The new covenant is a new pattern. So what's my problem? The problem is I think wages and not gifts. And it's hard for me to change that pattern because everything in life tells me I get what I deserve. And we don't want to change that pattern because when, when we work in that pattern, we know the results. Like I know if I go put in five hours of work today or 10 hours of work today or I'm paid by the hour, so I'm going to get what I've earned. I'm going to get what's coming to me. And when you bring that mindset into the kingdom and you try to approach God with that mindset, no wonder it makes you feel shame and guilt. No wonder people stay away from church because you will never get to the point in your life where you can ever come to God and say, hey, I've earned it now. I deserve it now. And this is, this is our mindset, right? We even say stuff like this. If it's too good to be true, it just, it must not be true. That's our problem with the gospel. It's too good to be true. So how can it be true? There's got to be a way that I can earn this, deserve it. There's got to be a way where I can make him love me more. And here's the problem with only telling people that God loves them is if they believe that God loves them, then they'll think and they'll spend the rest of their life trying to be lovable. But God doesn't just love you unconditionally. His love is better than that. He loves you in Christ. So my position is secure, not based on my behavior or based on my Ability to be loved. My position is secure in Christ. So I don't have to wake up this morning wondering, does God love Jesus? See, I wake up sometimes wondering, could God love me? Could God receive me? Could God accept me? And it's good for you to wonder that. Because the reality is he couldn't. But you know who he loves, who he can accept who's always perfect, who never makes a mistake, who is totally righteous, who is perfect and pure in every single way. His name is Jesus Christ. And so God doesn't just love me. He loves me in Christ. So I'm, I'm secure. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm changing the pattern. I, I don't believe for a second anymore that God could wake up today and change his mind about me. That God could get frustrated, so frustrated with me that he comes to an end of his mercy and his grace in my life. Where he, where he looks at me and he says, that's just, that's too far. Rob, you've gone too far. You've done too much. You missed too many church services. You let the bucket pass by you too many times in the offering. And, and why, do, why do many of us give? 
we give to appease a higher power. I, I, I'm, I just don't want God to be upset with me, so I'm gonna go to church today. I, I just wanna make sure that I'm safe this week, so I'm gonna show up to church. And there's something in our mind that tells us if, 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 we'll, if we'll ask God for protection, then he'll protect us. We see so often in the New Testament, Jesus doing miracles for people that didn't even ask for miracles. Jesus raising up people that didn't even ask to be raised up. Jesus healing diseases for, for people that didn't even ask for their sickness to be healed. <laughs> Jesus healing people that didn't even know who he was when he healed them. For you to really get what God has for you, 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 better, you better have a real relationship with God. You better. Now, Jesus can, can do things for people that don't even know who he is. And we don't like that. In your mind right now, that's, that's making you mad. Just like the people in the New Testament, Jesus told a story. He, told, he said, well, there was this master. He came and he got these people and he took them to work for him. And they worked all day. And then he got another group of people that worked about half a day. And then there was this other group of people that came back at the, they came at the end of the day. And when they got done, he paid them all the same wage. In our minds, we hate that kind of stuff. You kidding me? I worked my <laughs> off for you. You're going to let the person who walked in, who stumbled in, drunk, out the club, get the same blessing? Yeah. That's the gospel. <laughs> our biggest problem is not a moral problem. That's our, we think the White House is going to solve our moral issues. That's why we elect a, a Republican, we get sick of them. We elect a Democrat, we get sick of them. We just flip-flop all the time because we think, well, maybe this guy will save us, or maybe this guy will save us, or, or maybe this thing will save us, or, or, or maybe Fox News will save us, or maybe CNN will save us, or, or, or maybe, that, no, 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 none of that is, a moral revolution is not what we need. We need a gospel revolution. We need for people to simply believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm getting away from moralism, and I'm coming fully into Jesus Christ. Now watch what Jesus says. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. We preach a gospel that says, obey him and he'll love you. Obey him enough and he'll give you a big car. Nice house. The job you've always wanted. Obey him enough, write a check to TBN and you'd think that you could get the healing waters from the Jordan and Everything in your life would change. You listen to some of these prosperity preachers on television tell you, you do this, God will do this. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't write a check big enough for God to heal you. You can't write a check big enough for God to say, you can't attend a church enough for God to be good to you. If God is gonna be good to you, it's going to be by his grace and his grace alone. Is there anybody in the room thankful today? For the grace and the mercy of God. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. He didn't come to make bad people good. He came to bring dead people alive. He came to resurrect the dead. That's what he came for. Will you stand with me? Here's, here's what happens. 
Most of us will spend the rest of our lives trying to serve two masters. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 24, said nobody can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Here's what we do. We think we can, we can give ourselves halfway to God and a portion of ourselves to our job and another portion of ourselves to our family. And then we're walking around in life like I don't have anything left to, I'm tired, I'm anxious. See, see the thing about the wage of sin is that it leads you somewhere. It says the wage of sin is death. And Romans 6 tells us that, that, that sin leads to death. It leads to, it's, it's taking you somewhere. It's, Paul is trying to tell you the world is going to kill you. The world is going to eat you up and spit you out. It's going to use you and abuse you. It's going to work you to the bone. It's going to increase your fear and anxiety. It's going to rob you of lasting joy. It's going to shame you into hiding. So he says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What he's saying is, listen, every other master threatens. If you don't, I won't. You know you're living your life worshiping Jesus when you don't live under threat. Money threatens you. Money is a terrible master. Money threatens you and says stuff like, if you don't have me, you don't, you don't have nothing. If you don't have me, you're insignificant. You don't matter. If you don't have me, nobody will care about you. Relationships are a terrible idol. Relationships will tell you, if you don't have me, you're gonna be lonely. You're gonna be forgotten. You only matter if you matter to someone else. We pick up patterns. I'm only valuable if I get married. And I'm only valuable if my marriage looks like a marriage that everybody else would want. Can I tell you the marriage you think you want? If you were to actually go in and dig a little deeper into their marriage, you don't want theirs either. The perfect marriage you're looking for does not exist. Why? Because it's too corrupt, selfish, ambitious people coming together, trying to become one. It doesn't work. Your spouse is a terrible idol because you'll think that they're supposed to fulfill some sort of role that God alone was intended to fulfill. And you'll put expectation on them that they cannot meet a burden they cannot carry. And sometimes people run not because they don't love you, but because they can't meet your expectation. Some of you, your fear of rejection 
It's a terrible idol because you're just taking anybody into your life. You just, anybody who will pay me attention, hey, here's my phone number, hey, here's my address, hey, come over, hang it. And when you make people and things idols, you can't really enjoy them. Can't really enjoy my house if my house is my idol because I'll look at my house and I'll be like, look at that drip over there and it'll drive you crazy and you'll obsess over it and you'll, 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 you, can't, you can't experience peace unless the house is clean. Then appearance has become your idol. We don't want to go there. We don't talk about that. Some of you are really glad it's 1134 and I have to stop in two minutes. It's like, if not, he's coming to my house, to my street, my address, if he keeps going. Idols lie and slave and eventually destroy. Jesus said in John 10, he said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come that you could have life, life to the fullest. Whatever you think the pattern of this world can satisfy, it can't. You'll get to the end of it and find it's all empty. You want real peace? Come to me. Revelation 22 says this. It's awesome. Twenty-two seventeen says, let him who desires take the water of life without a price. Jesus says, you want something that belongs to me? It's yours, take it. It's the good news of the gospel is I don't get what's coming to me. I get what's coming to Jesus. That's, that's the good news of the gospel. I don't get what I deserve. I get what Jesus deserves. Anybody just want to throw your hands up in the air today and say, God, help me. I repent today. Whether I need salvation or I'm a Christian in here, I, I just repent for a way of thinking. I, I'm, I'm changing from an earner to a receiver. Because in the, in the kingdom, I, I can't achieve. I can only receive. Achievement isn't the goal. Receiving is the aim. The disciples asked Jesus, what do we do to do what you do? How do we work the works of God? Jesus looked back at him and he said, just believe. So today we put our confidence, our belief, not in our ability to earn, but in your ability to give. You are the gift giver. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. So we open up our hearts, we open up our minds, we open up our hands, our life to receive the gift. And as the gift comes in, you'll tear down every idol. You'll cast down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of you. I worship the gift, not the wage. I put my hope in you. My future is in you. My kids are in your hands. My job is in your hands. My life is in your hands. No matter what happens, I'm in your hands. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen.